Good morning. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. I'd like to speak on the gospel lesson for today, that which we saw in the video. It comes from Matthew chapter 4. Can I just read two verses again? First through 17 and then 19. Then Jesus started preaching. Turn back to God. The kingdom of heaven will soon be here. And then Jesus said to them, to those disciples, Come with me. I will teach you how to bring in people instead of fish. Right then the two brothers dropped their nets and went with him. Being a Christian is complex, isn't it? It involves many changes in our lives. And sometimes we think and reflect on our Christian life and uh, we ponder some of the deeper questions about that Christian life. Now, what is a meaningful Christianity? How am I to live my life as a Christian? What does Jesus really want me to do? Or it might take the direction of a statement that uh, some of you will know well. We are to live in the world, but not of the world. We wonder, how am I to be a person following Jesus who's in the world, but not of the world? What is that distinction between in the world and and not of the world? Or it might be that we hear that phrase, which I'm sure you've heard many times before, that we're free to be, that Jesus Christ has set us free to be the people he wants us to be. So what does that mean? So as I said, as we ponder our lives as Christians, that sort of question comes up quite regularly, I'm sure, for all of us. But all too often, as we think about those questions and as we're looking at them in relationship to our own lives, uh, we start to feel guilty. We're not thinking. We're not acting correctly. We're not quite Christian enough. And that guilt becomes like a spiral. It goes down and down. The more guilt we hear, the more guilt we feel, and down and down we go. Now, together with all of that general stuff that I've talked about so far, um, today in that Gospel lesson, there was the implied exhortation of Jesus, even though he said it uh, to those four disciples, it's implied in there that we too be fishers of men. That statement puts a lot of pressure on us too, doesn't it? Am I being an adequate fisher of men? How do I go about it, etc.? And unfortunately, that pressure has often been added to over the years by pastors and other religious people who use guilt as a way in order to drive us forward, to make us do something. 
I've been, unfortunately, responsible for a number of those sermons over the years. And I'm sure you've heard that sort of thing as well. So the question is, is that spiral of guilt what Jesus wants for us? How do I become that fisher of men? I think that our gospel lesson for today helps answer some of those questions. But it does so in a different way from the way in which we would expect. It doesn't give us a direct series of directives or answers, but rather it's hinting at an attitude that we take with us through life. It gives us a glimpse of how to live an active Christian life, as we're drawn into activity through Jesus Christ, rather than guilt just forcing us into doing something. That Bible passage can be divided up into two parts. And that matter of fact, in my Bible, there's a big white section between the two, saying they're not connected. But really, I think those two are connected. The first one, there's a preamble. It talks of Jesus moving to Capernaum uh, and then that the promise of the prophet Isaiah would come true. But then it concludes with these words as Jesus starts preaching. Turn back to God. Repent. The kingdom of heaven will soon be here. That preaching of Jesus then follow, is followed immediately by Jesus recruiting his first two disciples, Simon, Peter and Andrew, and soon after the next two as we heard uh, James and John. Instead of bum fishermen in the Sea of Galilee, they're going to be Fishes of men. But how do those two parts fit together? Call to repentance, and then you will be fishes of men. And what significance does it have for us? This morning, I'd like that we don't just listen to those words from the Bible passage and just think about them as facts, you know, things that we can learn, things that we can recite back, uh, things, a story that we learned of in Sunday school so many years ago. But rather that we use these words as part of our journey through which we continue to discover what it means to have a meaningful Christianity and so to be in the world, but not of the world. It leads us to be a people. It leads us to be free to be a people that God wants us to be. And in fact, through that, we become fishers of men. So, let's go back to where Jesus begins on that momentous day. 
He says that it's time to repent because the kingdom of God will soon be here. Or as it's written in the uh, first chapter of St. Mark, that the good news is here, so repent. Jesus is saying, the old way of doing things has passed away. Now, instead of having to live by the law of the God, do this, do that, sacrifice, etc., etc., and you're right with God, we now live because of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. We've been set free. I'm sure you've heard words like that in the past many times. But one thing has struck me. Despite the fact that we've grown up within the Christian church and heard those words time and time again, we often don't realise just what that statement that we've been set free to serve Jesus really means. Rather, what we do is we just wander around doing our Christian religious things, you know, our churchly acts. We attend worship, we give our offerings, we show love to those in need, we seek to be righteous people. We've kind of learned, this is what a Christian is supposed to do. So that's what we end up doing. Through it all, we end up thinking, yeah, I'm okay as a Christian. But what's happening? It's doing the things that is driving us. It's doing the things that becomes our Christianity. Doing those things really becomes our Christian faith. Sometimes it's just our ego at work. We human beings and naturally focus on ourselves. The technical term for all of that works righteousness. It's only when we really come face to face with our humanity. In this case, Tim Zanker, 70 years old, gummy hip, um, lots of things that he'd like to forget that he's done, etc. Going to die one day. It's only when we come face to face with our humanity that we can start to understand the grace of God as shown to us through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. It's only then that it starts to mean something for us. It's only when we start to understand that we are just those human beings and that as those human beings, we often end up, metaphorically speaking, down in the gutter. We act in ways we don't like people to see. There's the lies. doesn't matter whether they're white or black, they're there. They're the ways we think about people even when we don't actually say those words. There's our attitudes towards authority. I haven't even mentioned things like use of money, 
uh, goods, the use of power, our attitude towards the environment, etc. We're human beings. And we get caught up in that mire. And all too often, we're driven by ourselves and our human ego. Or in other words, the focus is on me and what I do rather than on God. Jesus comes to us and says, repent. He says, you don't have to live like this. I can make you clean. Let's for a moment live out Jesus' call to repentance by recognising our humanity, or if you like, our sinfulness, and then have Jesus once again coming to us and say, I am making you clean. Church, we call it confession and absolution. I know this is the process that you've been through many times before. Last time was maybe 10, 15 minutes ago. But I'd like that we do it again, right now. I'll use words that I suspect are familiar to many of you. They're words from the traditional liturgy of the uh, Lutheran Church, the liturgy with Holy Communion. So what I'd like you to do is for a moment collect your thoughts. Think of yourselves as those human beings that you are, made in the image of God, but not perfect, touched by sin, shown in coming out in various ways, little bits or lots, greed, selfishness, abuse of power, neglect of others, destruction of the environment, racism, etc., etc., I'm not asking you to say anything out loud. I'm not asking you to open yourselves up before these people. But I am asking that you be honest with yourself. And in doing so, be honest with God. So let's just pause for a moment and reflect on our humanity. Now I invite you to look up at the screen and to share with me in these words. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my sins to the Lord. Altogether, Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor helpless sinner, confess to you all my sins and repent of all the evil I have done. I have deeply displeased you and deserve your punishment in time and in eternity. But I am sorry for my sins 
And I ask you, for the sake of the holy, innocent sufferings and death of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me. Amen. I ask each of you in the presence of God who searches the heart, do you confess that you have sinned, and do you repent of your sin? Do you believe that Jesus Christ has redeemed you from all your sin? And do you desire forgiveness in his name? And do you intend, with the help of the Holy Spirit, to live as in God's presence and to strive daily to lead a holy life, even as Christ has made you holy? Now listen to the, some wonderful words. Christ gave to his church the authority to forgive the sins of those who repent and to declare to those that do not repent of their sins that they're not forgiven. Therefore, upon your confession, I, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God to all of you. And on behalf of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. And also with you. Your guilt has been covered by the blood of Christ Jesus. Your humanity is not held against you by God. You are his children. You are his people. You are his disciples. How does that feel? I guess some of the way in which you feel will depend on um, what you've had to confess. And uh, maybe some of that's dependent on your awareness of your humanity. If I can tell you some good news. The words of Jesus Christ, those words of forgiveness, there's one on the cross, don't depend on how you feel. I can give you facts because Jesus Christ comes along and gives you facts. Jesus Christ, through his forgiveness, has washed you clean. Your sin's not held against you. You don't have to answer to God for your humanity as it comes out through your life. Why? Because Jesus Christ has set you free from your sin. Verses 15 and 16 from that gospel lesson. Listen, Galilee, land of the Gentiles. Although your people live in darkness, they will see a bright light. Although they live in the shadow of death, a light will shine on them. The light of Jesus Christ has shone on you. And in that, he's starting to open the pathway to giving you meaningfulness in your life. He has set you free to serve him. In that gospel lesson, as I said earlier on, it's remarkable what follows 
immediately after that thing about repentance. While Jesus was walking along the shore of Lake Galilee, he saw two brothers. One was Simon, also known as Peter, and the other was Andrew. They were fishermen and they were casting their net into the lake. Jesus said to them, Come with me. I will teach you how to bring in people instead of fish. Right then the two brothers dropped their nets and went with him. Jesus walked on until he saw James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were in a boat with their father, mending their nets. Jesus asked them to come with him too. Right away they left the boat and their father and went with Jesus. What are the words of Jesus? Follow me. Come with me. It's not a request. It's not a question. It's a command. He takes for granted that they will. Why? Because they are his forgiven children. You might remember last week in the sermon that I guess most of you heard, it talked of the way this incident is recorded in the Gospel according to St John. Jesus aroused curiosity in the minds of those four disciples and then he took time to hang out with them as though they were a couple of new mates. He invites them back to his place. They spend the rest of the day there hanging out with him. What do they do? We're not told. But I guess that they shared something to eat and drink. I think they raked together, sat around, talked. What they talk about, I'd certainly love to know. But I think that Jesus was interested in enough in them to ask them about themselves. I think that they talked about their lives, their families, their hopes, their struggles, maybe the weather, seasons, local politics, the price of fish. I doubt whether they talked about uh, cricket or football, but maybe that even came up too. But as they talked about these things, Jesus was there with them helping them to see everything in a new light. He helped them see how everything fitted together into God's will and God's plans. Jesus showed them how God's grace was right there in their lives, covering their lives and their families, covering their sins, their failures, giving them hope opening always the way for a new start, putting their lives into context of God's plans that reach from eternity to eternity. So when they were talking about themselves, Jesus was telling them what God was doing in their lives and through their lives. It's one of those conversations that's quite ordinary yet wonderfully exciting at the same time. With Jesus, they were suddenly seeing things in a new light, the new faith, a practical, everyday faith. And if it was exciting for them, 
Suddenly it became something that they wanted to share. Remember what happened last week? Uh, Andrew thinks of his brother Simon. He knew that Simon would want to meet this Jesus too. And he ducks off and finds Simon. He tells Simon about Jesus. And out of it comes one of those grand statements. We found the Messiah, the Christ. All those promises of the Old Testament are connected with pointing to someone who would come and bring the kingdom of God. Very ordinary, very mundane. Come and meet him. We'd like to talk to him. But out of it, great things happen. That's being a fisher of men. Being covered by the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. In it, getting to know the love of God and then the motivation to start to live that bubbles out in your life. Meeting people, ordinary people in ordinary ways. Talking about ordinary things. But through all of that, the love of Christ and the message of Christ starts to flow. So that desire to be fishers of men grows from Jesus' acceptance of us as he meets us as humans and then through his grace reminds us that we are forgiven. And out of that, he starts to act. No guilt, no fear, no pulpit-pounding sermons from the pastor, but the grace of God at work in us. God's peace be with you all.